Yeah, Lauren mentioned that Roth IRA. Lauren mentioned the Roth IRA. What is it, Mike? K- K-I-O-A. I'm sure that's not a word. <laughs> no. I stop myself. I, see, I don't even know what word you said. <laughs> this is where I stop and start over. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. The focus of today's podcast is the employer-sponsored plan. For most people, a lot of people, this means the 401k, but there are, of course, are a lot of other plans out there, and the advice that we're going to be giving to you today and the subjects we're going to be talking about can apply to a lot of these plans. So, Lauren Merkel, he's a certified financial planner. We've got Rochelle Smith. She is producer of this podcast here with us today. And Lauren, the way you treat the employer-sponsored plan while you're working, while you're getting close to retirement, and then when you retire, all those phases, you should treat the plan differently. The 401k plan or the employer-sponsored plan really should be a coveted type of plan because it's so hard to save for retirement, especially with the vehicles that we're otherwise given. The benefit of the 401k plan is is not only can you contribute more, if you're under 50 years old, you can contribute 19500 for the year, which is significantly higher than other retirement plans that you would have outside of the employer. If you're 50 or older, you can contribute up to $26,000. Again, a higher limit than the other options that you have. But in addition to that, you also have the ability with many employer plans to have access to free money. Like free money. Everybody should like free money. Yes. <laughs> yes. The the employer oftentimes will incentivize you to contribute to the plan and match your contributions up to a certain limit. So Is that's, that incentivize? I just want to go back to that word there. Incentivize. Is that in, also known as incentivize? Incentivize. <laughs> no, it's incentivize. Trust me. It's a new word. There's a V in there somewhere. <laughs> Let's go back to this incentivize. <laughs> really, and we don't like to say use rules of thumb in, in retirement planning, but really one rule of thumb is that you may want to follow is if you have a 401k available through your employer and there's an employee match, you should sign up. Do not hesitate. Free, well, it's that free money, right? This is the magic of instant return with the market uh, going up and down like it is. I mean, there's no guarantees with the market, but there is a guarantee if your employer is giving you free money. All you have to do is contribute, and then as an instant return on your investment. So, it, with the four hundred one k plan, it is a no brainer. If you have access to that to that match that the employer is giving you, then you should contribute to that plan. So the question we're hoping to answer for you today and what we want to tackle is how to make the most out of these employee-sponsored plans. But first, we know some of the rules around these employer-sponsored plans have changed due to the coronavirus. First, let's talk about the CARES Act, Lauren, and what it means for RMDs. One of the provisions of the CARES Act is it allows those who are RMD age to suspend their RMD, meaning they don't have to take it at all this year. They still have the option to. So if they want to take the RMD, if they need to take the RMD, they certainly can, but they don't have to. So there's a lot of tax planning strategy that this now opens up because that, that might be $10,000, $20,000 that otherwise they would have had to take out for, as a taxable event that now maybe they can shift that over to the Roth side of it. So they still pay taxes when they shift it over to the Roth, but now instead of taking it out and putting it in, the, in their savings account or a CD at the bank, they can take it and put it into a Roth IRA where now it can grow tax-free forever. So that's kind of a cool provision where those who are RMDH don't have to take the RMD. 
And the RMDH, required minimum distribution, used to be 70 and a half, but some legislation passed at the beginning of 2020 makes it now, is it 72? Yeah, the SECURE Act now pushed it from 70 and a half to 72. So now, uh, if you're 70 and a half or older, you don't have to take it out until 72. And also waiving those RMDs, there's also some um, opportunity to prevent yourself from having to sell, well, the, the market is is down. Yeah, that was part of the reason why they suspended the RMDs because in March, the market was down by over 30%. And so if people were taking out their RMDs, then they were selling when the market was down, which just exasperated the losses of their accounts. Is that a word? Exasperated? You, know, you got that one right. Good <laughs> job. Okay. <laughs> so we're getting somewhere. So that was part of the, the goal was to not force people to sell when the market has been hit. And, and back at that point, nobody knew how bad this was going to get, right? So the market has substantially recovered, but nobody knew that it was going to recover that quickly. So throughout the course of this year, we didn't know if we were going to, if that law was going to force people to sell at even a deeper discount. The focus of today's podcast is employer-sponsored plans, and I know I've had a friend that this has happened to, and we're hearing about this, the 401k match, though could be getting cut by a lot of employers. We're going to put a link to the article that I'm referencing in the show notes here, but one expert who studies retirement planning said that uh, she wouldn't be surprised to see twice as many discounted matches compared to the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. Yeah, and the reason why is because the 401k plan is a big expense. It's a big expense for employers, and now there's so many more employers over what we saw in 2008 that have an employer-sponsored plan. These 401k plans uh, have become much less expensive for employers to offer. So even though I say they're expensive, they still are, but they're a lot less expensive than what they were a decade ago. So we have a lot more employers that are offering them. Uh, there's a lot more pressure on employers to offer these to keep quality employees. Uh, and But it is a big expense. So now when they're trying to just make payroll, that is one of the things that they can easily change to save them some money and, and try to keep their employees at least, at least on, the, on the payroll. And this article said just missing maybe one year of that company match over over 30 years, you could miss out on up to $30,000 of retirement savings. So if your employer match has been cut, Lauren, what are some strategies that you can uh, basically use to try to make up for the, the potential loss? Well, you still want to, if you can afford it, you still want to contribute to your retirement because any year that you don't contribute, that's a lost opportunity because of all of these employer all of these retirement plans do have restrictions as far as how much you can contribute. It's not like there's a, a big makeup opportunity when you miss these years. So if you could still afford it, you want to contribute. If the employer is not contributing on your behalf or matching your contributions, then I would say, look, look at an IRA, an individual retirement account that's underneath your name. It's underneath your control. You have a lot more investment options available to you than what the employer plan offers you, which means that now you can con control with more intention the diversification that you have with your investments, but you can also control the investment expenses a lot more as well. Uh, the Roth IRA right now with taxes on sale is an incredible opportunity for a lot of people if it makes sense from a tax standpoint. When you contribute to the Roth, it's money that you've already paid taxes on, but then it grows tax-free forever. So if you're 25, 30 years old, you have 30 to 40 years for this money to work for you to grow and you never pay a dime of federal tax on it. It's an incredibly powerful tool that you can use. And that's why it's it was one of our superheroes. So we have a superhero series. We targeted this Roth or highlighted the Roth because it is so powerful and it's powerful in today's environment where taxes are low not only for those who are 30 years old but also those of you who are 60 years old 
And for some of you who are 70 or 75 years old, the Roth IRA can still be an incredibly powerful tool, whether you're converting money from your pre-tax accounts or you're contributing to it because your employer doesn't match your contributions to the employer plan. Lauren mentioned the Roth IRA, and we have done a lot of talking about the Roth IRA and Roth conversions. So here are two good resources. This podcast, look for our podcast called The Power of the Roth and also our YouTube channel, Merkle Retirement Planning. We did a whole episode on Roth IRAs and the power of Roth conversions. Let's get back into maximizing that employer-sponsored plan. And we're going to use the term 401k throughout this conversation. But again, the type of plan you have is dictated by your employer. And they all work similarly. So if we reference the 401k, but maybe you have a 403b, there's going to be a lot to learn either way. So let's talk about how to use that employer-sponsored plan before retirement. How do you maximize it, Lauren? Well, the two primary benefits of the employer plan outside the ease of it, so I guess that would be three primary benefits, right? It's very easy to use. The money comes out of your paycheck before you even get it, which makes it, and, and a lot of these plans now, uh, you are automatically enrolled. So you don't even make the conscious decision to enroll. They do it for you, right? Right? That's a very powerful thing uh, because then there's very little resistance and you actually have to take action to not contribute to the plan. Uh, the other benefit is the free money, as we talked about. So use that free money. If, the, if your employer is contributing 100% up to your first 6% or 3% or whatever that is, do your absolute best to always at least hit what it is that they're contributing if, uh, if you're putting in 6% and the employer matches that, that's a 100% rate of return right away before the market even does what it does. I was talking to a friend last night at golf. She gets an 11% match. I was going to wow. talk to my employer about something like that. <laughs> Stand in line. <laughs> That's yeah, that's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. She worked for a bigger company. It's a, a, bank. <clears throat> a bank. She works for a bank. Those banks, they're making all the money. <laughs> yeah. say, they got our money, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Not mine, but yeah. So your friend, as an example, she should be at least contributing eleven percent. She contributes eleven percent. The bank contributes eleven percent on her behalf. That's twenty-two percent per year going into an employer plan that is going to grow tax deferred or tax free, depending upon which side of that plan she puts it into. So use that to your advantage. The other benefit is the contributory limits, right? You have 19,500 or 26,000, depending upon your age that you can contribute to, which is significantly higher than any uh, other retirement plan that you have outside of the employer. So use that to your advantage. One, one strategy to consider. So let's go back to your friend. So she, gets 11% match. If she contributes 11, the bank contributes 11. So she should be contributing 11. That's 22% on her behalf. Now, if she can afford it, then she should also consider contributing additional money to an IRA outside of the 401k plan because she can contribute, assuming she's under 50, she can contribute $6,000 to an IRA, whether it's the pre-tax IRA or the tax deductible IRA or the Roth IRA. And then if she can afford it even more, then she can go back to her 401k plan or her employer plan and contribute up to the $19,500 limit. The reason that you might want to do that is because the employer plan is good for those reasons. It's easy, higher contributory limits and free money. But there are the deficiencies of an employer plan is you're really limited as far as the investment selection that they offer. And most employer plans, all they offer is mutual funds. Mutual funds, there are some deficiencies with them. There's a lack of transparency in what they actually own. So it's hard to create a truly diversified portfolio. It's also hard to, do, to identify what types of fees you're paying with those mutual funds. 
underneath the IRA, now you can invest in anything you want to. You're not handcuffed by the selections that the employer offers you underneath the plan. So use the 401k plan for what is it is designed for. But if you can also sneak in some contributions to your own account outside the employer plan, then that can be an incredibly powerful benefit for you long term as well. And that leads us well into how to treat the 401k or the employer sponsored plan as you get closer to retirement. Once you hit 59 and a half, it really opens up some opportunities. Yeah, this is probably your first half birthday you celebrated in over over 50 years. I mean, 59 and a half is a significant milestone because now you have been contributing to your employer plan for how many years? You've built this this retirement wealth, and now for the first time, you have access to it. You have access to control your retirement wealth. Most employer plans at 59 and a half offer you the ability to do an in-service rollover, which means you would take the money and you would roll it over to your own account, an IRA. You don't have to pay any taxes on that. Uh, you don't have to pay any penalties on that as long as you do it the right way. And then you can, again, invest in anything you want to underneath the IRA, which gives you the ability then to have more control and the, it gives the employer less say over your retirement wealth. Still contribute to the 401k plan or the employer plan, right? You still like the 401k plan to contribute to for the higher limits and the free money and the ease, but you want control over your employer plan if at all possible. And sometimes there's a perception though, you know, you've got this big chunk that you've been saving for, let's say 25 years and rolling it over uh, feels like maybe it won't grow as fast when you take it out of that 401k or that employer-sponsored plan. Good good point. We hear that all the time. Some people, when we talk about this 59 and a half in-service rollover, some people say, well, isn't it going to grow slower underneath the IRA? That's a misconception. Let me give you just a, a quick example, and we'll make, we'll make this really easy. Let's say you have $10,000 underneath the 401k plan, and you also have $10,000 underneath the IRA. They both receive a 10% return, so you earn $1,000 underneath the 401k. You earn $1,000 underneath the IRA. That's $2,000 total. Or let's say you have one account. So that was two accounts. Let's say you just have one account. You have $20,000 in the one account. You still earn 10%. You still earn $2,000. I was going to answer. I was hoping it was Q&A. Ooh, $2,000. <laughs> I, I know the answer. I've learned not to ask you math questions. <laughs> But it doesn't matter in either example, you still earn $2,000, right? So, so and what with the IRA, you can invest in anything you want to. So you have the same earning ability or opportunity as what you do underneath the employer plan. So there is no benefit or disadvantage from that standpoint. One of the reasons that people think their employer plan isn't losing as much during downturns or is gaining more during upturns is because they're also contributing to it. So they're, they're, they have money going into it every two weeks or every month or every week, whatever, whenever their pay cycle hits. And then they also have the employer contributions. So they have money going into it, which makes it feel like it is doing better. But it has the same opportunity to earn as what the IRA does. And it doesn't matter whether it's in one bucket, two buckets, or 10 buckets. It has that same earnings potential. What about when I do decide to retire or let's say I decide I'm over 59 and a half and let's say I go to a different employer. What's the strategy? And, and it's probably, there's probably two answers to that. What's the strategy with the money that's inside the employer sponsored plan then? Well, the philosophy with the employer plan is use it for what it is, use it for what it is designed for, which is new contributions. But when you have the opportunity to take control over it, whether it's you're 59 and a half, you're still working for the company and they offer you the in-service rollover, or you leave 
the employer at any age. You separate service, take that employer plan money out, roll it over to your IRA. Again, do it the right way so you don't pay taxes or penalties on it. And then certainly once you retire, again, you want to take control over that money because of all of the, of the benefits that we just talked about. So the theme is when you have the employer plan, use it for what it's designed for, new contributions. When you're no longer associated with that plan or they give you the 59 and a half in service option, take the money out and invest it in your IRA. I'm going to jump back for a second and talk about, you talk about taking out distributions. Sometimes we hear of people taking a loan out of their employee sponsored plan and the rules vary, I believe, by employer. Um, but with the CARES Act, you're allowed to take money out of your 401k if you can if you can prove or, or state that you've had a COVID consequence. I know there was something we were talking about before we started recording that uh, some people are taking that money out and putting it maybe into a Roth. Why are you smiling? You tr- you oh, I'm, to just, spit I'm this just thinking out? about all the crafty people out there. Yeah, okay. So it makes, it makes me smile. Uh, um, yeah, you were talking about how some people are, are converting this into a Roth and, and thinking maybe they're, they're doing something that's above board, but you're a little concerned that the IRS might say, hang on a second. I'm feeling there's something wrong when you have to stop when I just smile. It's like I don't smile enough, so I smile, and then all of a sudden (laughs) the world stops because I never smile or something. I'm just worried about if I'm spitting it out with any level of intelligence. So I'm just you know, kind of thinking, does this make sense to the person listening right now? I thought it made sense. There there is an exception with the CARES Act where if you're impacted by the the COVID-19, you can take up to $100,000 out, and then you have three years to pay it back. So essentially... Some people, you can spread that tax bill, assuming that you want to pay it back within the three years. You can spread that tax bill over a three-year period of time, which is an incredible advantage over if you did a Roth conversion. You do a Roth conversion, let's say $100,000, you're paying taxes on that full $100,000 in this year. So here's where the craftiness comes in. So there's some people out there say, hey, wait a minute. What if I take advantage of this this CARES Act, take the $100,000 out, and then put it into my Roth? And then I can spread the tax liability out over a three-year period of time. How brilliant is that? Well, the problem is, is that I don't think the IRS is going to allow them to get away with that because it's not a conversion that they're doing. What they're doing is they're taking a $100,000 distribution from their pre-tax IRA, and then they're contributing it contributing to their Roth IRA. So when the IRS rules on this, and I haven't seen a ruling yet, but what I think they're probably going to do is say that you actually made a contribution, not a conversion. On the conversion, there are no limits. On the contribution, there are $6,000 if you're under the age of 50, $7,000 if you're 50 and older. So you contribute $100,000. Your limit was $6,000 or $7,000. Now you have a 6% excise penalty on anything over that contributory limit. And most likely the IRS isn't going to catch you for a couple of years. So you have a couple of years worth of penalty. And eventually when they catch you, you're going to have to take it out. You're going to have to pay taxes on the earnings. And you're also going to have the 6% penalty on the amount you contributed over the limit. So that could end up costing you a lot of money is so, what you're saying? So what I'm saying is that if, if you're one of the crafty ones, don't do that or at least consult with the IRS first, right? If the IRS gives you their blessing, then by all means do it. But I I think it's a very risky move. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people who do that, who end up paying too much money or they're going to end up paying money in taxes and penalties. Lauren, let's talk a little bit about ESOPs or employee stock. Is it option plans? Attractive to a lot of people, 
but they come with a little bit of a warning. They really are attractive because what we've seen, especially over the last 12, 15 years, is these ESOP plans, a lot of them have done very well compared to the stock market. An ESOP plan is where you have the ability to have uh, tax-deferred money invested in your employer stock. So that is a good thing. A lot of times the employer will make those contributions on your behalf. So again, that it's that free money that's nice and then it grows tax deferred. And if that employer is doing really well and the market is not doing really well, why would you want to take your money out of that and put it into something that hasn't been doing as well? That's what a lot of people, that's how a lot of people rationalize that. Well, the risk is, is many people have the majority of their retirement wealth in those ESOP plans. So if that company doesn't do well, there is no diversification. If that company goes bankrupt or goes out of business, then that ESOP plan is gone. And we see that a lot with these employers is they do really well. The ESOP plan does really well. And then one year or, or a couple of years, they don't do so well. They go out of business and then all of that retirement wealth is gone. So, so when it comes to ESOP plans as compelling or appealing as it may be to leave the majority of your retirement wealth in there, when you have the opportunity to diversify from those plans, that's usually a good idea. Diversification is one of the best ways to pre to create a, a recession-resistant portfolio, and it's one of the best ways to preserve the retirement wealth that you have built up. Having all of your eggs or most of your eggs in one basket is rarely a good idea when trying to build wealth for retirement. Lauren, pensions aren't as prevalent as they used to be, but it is still an option for a lot of people. What are some ways to really maximize the pension? Yeah, the corporate pensions have really gone on the wayside, but the government employees still have pensions. And some of these government pensions are really good. Take the Iowa pension as an example. Uh, IPERS is one of the best pensions that Iowans have available to them, whether we're talking about government pensions or corporate pensions. And there's some options. There's many options that you have when it comes time to elect pensions. In, in the 80s, when my grandpa retired, he had a pension from Ford Motor Company. He did not have the option to take a lump sum. He just had to take that annuity payment. Now, with most of these pensions, you have the option to take that annuity payment, which is guaranteed, backed by that pension, uh, backed by that employer for the rest of your life, or you can take a lump sum, roll it out to your IRA, then you have control over that money. You can take an income from it. You can gift it. You can do whatever you want with it. So some pensions, based on how they are built and what they offer from a payout standpoint, it does make sense to take that money out, roll it over to your IRA, and then use it uh, in any way you like to, to help you accomplish your retirement vision. Now there's some pensions that you would very rarely want to take the lump sum and you almost always would want to take the annuity payment. IPERS is one of those because it is such a powerful, uh, pension. The payment system is, is high compared to what you would receive as a lump sum. Most people who participate in IPERS will want to take that annuity payment. Um, but, but again, it's, it's, it's there needs to be an individual evaluation based on what that pension will offer you from an annuity payment standpoint versus what it'll offer you from a lump sum. And I'm guessing that evaluation also has something to do with what the death benefit looks like when the person who carries that IPERS, when they die, does the payment continue to their spouse or does the payment stop with them? It depends on the option they select because there's a number of options you have underneath that plan. But that's that's a really good point, Molly, is, is some of our families, even though 
in normal circumstances, we would have had them take the annuity payment based on the composition of the annuity payment versus the lump sum. Uh, but it just it didn't make sense based on their individual circumstance. So as an example, the, the individual's not married. Uh, so the survivorship option, there w- really was, in effect, no survivorship option for them. Uh, and they did have kids. So when they passed away, they want to leave that whatever is left over to the kids. But the, the pension didn't give them that option. So if they were married, there was a survivorship option. If they were single, there wasn't. So basically, it was a single life annuity, which means that let's say the lump sum value was 500000 They take the annuity payment, the monthly payment of $3,000 a month, and they pass away two years into retirement. Now, that's essentially 450000 or so that could have gone to a beneficiary that, that is, it just goes to the pension. So some cases, it does make sense uh, based on their individual circumstance to take a lump sum payment versus the annuity, even if the, uh, the annuity payment is really attractive compared to the lump sum. What about if you work for yourself or maybe you are the employer with a small staff in a 401k isn't, isn't the option. What do you do? I was just talking to a self-employed individual this week. He called me, he listens to the podcast and we were talking about this today in today's environment, being self-employed offers you so many advantages, not only from a tax standpoint of, of how the deductions that you're able to take versus the income that you receive, but also from an employer sponsored plan standpoint, these plans have become very affordable and whether you have employees, a lot of employees, or just a few employees that their options are plentiful. So now it's a matter of sorting through the array of different options you have based on what you're trying to accomplish. Are you put it, trying to put away as much as you can for yourself and your family for retirement? Would you like to offer a benefit to employees that you have? Would you like them to be able to contribute on their behalf? Would you like to con- contribute to the plan on their behalf? Right, Based on everything that you're trying to accomplish, then you just be able to identify then you would need to identify the plan that would match up with what it is you're trying to accomplish. But the good news is if you're self-employed, there's a lot of options that you have. Now it's a matter of matching it up with based on what you're trying to accomplish. And all of the things that we talk about, um, whether it's a pl- employee-sponsored plan or your retirement income or long-term care and health care, all of these options have one thing that you're always thinking about, Lauren. I know when you help people plan their retirement vision and it's taxes. So, Tell us about something I know you're really excited about when it comes to taxes and, and some information that people can can learn. We do talk about taxes all the time because it does represent such an incredible opportunity for most retirees and pre-retirees to save money on the money that they've accumulated from a retirement standpoint. But I thought it'd be good to get an outside perspective on the current tax rates, the current tax environment, current tax strategies, and and what we what we think is going to happen in the future. So what we're doing is we're partnering with David McKnight. He's he's the author of many books. He has recently authored the book called The Power of Zero, which is all about how to save money in taxes, tax mitigation strategies, where, where he thinks the tax brackets or the tax environment is going to go in the future. So he's agreed to put on a webinar for us, and, and he's calling it The Power of Zero Retirement Webinar. So this is intended for those who are in the pre-retirement to retirement phase, who have an eye towards saving money on taxation, not only in the current year, but also in, in the future years as well. So it's a, it's a complimentary webinar. Uh, and you can go to our website to find information on when that webinar is and how to sign up for it. And that website is MerkelPlan.com, M-E-R-K-L-E 
plan.com to check out more on David McKnight and the power of zero. I like the idea of paying zero in taxes. We'll continue to talk about taxes, retirement planning, and helping you reach your retirement vision on this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to Retiring Today, and we also thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. So that's one example. There's probably another example. (laughs) I think something else is coming. Rochelle, edge of your seat. I know you are. I wanted to say uh, conversely, but then... My head, sen- the Molly thing got going. <laughs> it's all my fault you can't talk. <clears throat>